each one of these top five quarterbacks, there's something about where, you know, the offense they played in, where they're coming from, that is enough to put, you know, at least a little bit of doubt in your mind. And it, it's going to cause you to do more research and try to be comfortable with, uh, you know, you have to reconcile it in some way. So understanding what they're asked to do within the context of that offense um, is key. And it's not always easy. You know, the tape is everything, but sometimes the tape leads you to asking more questions and going on a search, uh, going on an investigation to understand, okay, well, why are you doing this? Good morning, everybody. Welcome back or welcome to the Up Close In Personnel podcast show. I'm your host, Alex Brown, Director of Recruiting at Rice University, and we are entering season three, and I'd like to now introduce that sponsor that I was talking about last week. Our first sponsor of the show is War Room. War Room is the all-in-one platform that will take your recruiting and team management to the next level. It's used by teams in every Power 5 conference, all the way down to the high school level, as they have packages that really take your program to the next level in terms of the organization, roster management. Uh, with Corona, roster management is more important than ever, so make sure you have the tool that's customized to your school. It's an all-in-one database that applies to any type of team, high school, college, uh, you name it. It's got it. For more information, reach out to Moose Bingham at 801-808-7754 or go to www.collegewarroom.com or www.prepwarroom.com for a free demo. It's super easy to use, very functional. You have anything from roster scholarship numbers to depth charts. You can have different recruiting boards for whatever position coach may be looking at the board, so to speak. So. It's very customizable. Give Moose a shout. And also shout out to Michael Reed, one of their awesome associates that, that really put me onto the product and told me all the great things that they've put together. On to this week's visitor. Dane Brugler, draft analyst for The Athletic, a repeat visitor, just released his draft guide. It's called The Beast. We reference it multiple times in this episode. It's 276 pages chock full of scouting reports, 415 to be exact, and over 600 prospects are ranked in this thing. So subscribe to The Athletic if you're not already and get a free copy. It's totally worth it. If you're listening to this show and you're not uh, subscribed to The Athletic, I, I really recommend it. It's It's been great for me. It's kind of like um, the New York Times or Sports Illustrated back in the day. Like you, you know, pull out your phone if you want to check out baseball. They've got great insiders talking about baseball, basketball, football, whatever. Uh, I'm not sponsored by them, but Dane is my guy and his draft guide is the best out there. So definitely go get a copy of that. And if you missed his last appearance on the show, it's kind of more on the nuts and bolts of scouting, his background and the, the process that he goes through when breaking down tape. If you haven't checked it out and you want to learn more about his process as an evaluator, go back to episode 20 where Dane jumped on the show and really it was kind of the main focus was just if you're not evolving as a scout, then you're falling behind. In this week's episode, we take a deep dive on the 2021 NFL draft class, focusing specifically on this group of quarterbacks. A few of the topics we covered were Dane's ranking of the projected first round quarterbacks, 
has separate the skill of a passer from his scheme and supporting cast, something that is surrounding a lot of these guys, and why he ranks each of these guys where he does, what their best fits are, and the uniqueness of this draft from a historical standpoint where we've never had a draft where quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, and that's what we're kind of expecting to see. And we've also never seen a draft have five quarterbacks in the top 10, which we could see as well. So the NFL draft set for April 29th in Cleveland, Ohio, less than two weeks away, and it should be a fun one to watch. So sit back, take some notes on how Dane sees this class, evaluating the quarterback position, and enjoy the show. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Dane, welcome back. Alex, man, it's uh, it, it's a busy time. It's kind of crazy that you know the draft is two weeks away, under two weeks away now. Um, feels like we still have like a month, but uh, man, I'm ready for it to be here. You don't love doing seven round mock drafts every week. <laughs> like I, I don't, I really don't mind it to be honest with you. Like the work doesn't bother me. It's just the noise that is, you know, kind of gets it gets too much um and everyone's allowed to have their opinion that's great but some of the hot takes some of the you know people get upset at rankings you know if if you have a certain quarterback ranked two or a certain quarterback ranked five like it, it sparks all of this outrage um you know if you have uh if you think a certain player is a third rounder and not a first rounder you hear it from the fan base you know it's just you know, you're not gonna make everybody happy. And that, that that's part of this, you know, it's, it's all in fun because that's what this process is, you know, from the outside looking in, it's fun. You know, I don't, you know, we're, we're going to be wrong on some of these guys and that's okay. Um, you know, but, but I just ready for the draft to be here, to be honest. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. You, you talked about, you know, ranking quarterbacks a certain way and feels like every time you throw on the TV, somebody's, you know, you know, trying to make somebody the poster child of, you know, I'm going to be the Mac Jones believer. I'm going to be the Zach Wilson believer. I'm going to be the Kellen Mond believer. And um, I really wanted to get you on the show because last time we had you on episode 20, you talked about kind of the attention to detail and and your approach to the evaluation process, kind of from a big picture standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it was really good for for those of y'all that are fans of the draft. and, And obviously, you know, you need to check out Dane's beast it's 267 pages of draft profiles really written like an nfl scout um i want to i really want to dive into the quarterbacks uh because that's kind of the storyline especially at the top of the draft everybody's kind of penciled in the first three as trevor lawrence zach wilson mac jones and you have people kind of pushing for other players and you have it ordered in a in a different way and I kind of want to start at the top and we'll get to guys like Mac Jones because you have him ranked a little bit lower than most people. Mm -hmm. Um, But starting with Trevor Lawrence, when you started his evaluation, um, what was your expectation? And I guess, is it, is it harder when you've seen a guy for so long and you've heard of his name for so long um, to realize how special player he is? Well, yeah, it's obviously interesting with a, a program like Clemson because, you know, you're evaluating guys, uh, you know, you're evaluating Hunter Renfro and T Higgins and 
these Clemson prospects uh, before Trevor Lawrence is even draft eligible. So you're seeing you have, you have a sample size, you have, you have some kind of understanding of who that player is before you really dive into his tape uh, once he becomes draft eligible. And, you know, that's the case with, uh, you know, a lot of players at, at big time programs. And there are plenty of times over the last three years where, you know, Trevor Lawrence did something on tape and I wasn't necessarily watching him, but then you're just like, Oh, I need to write that down. What, let's timestamp this uh, on the tape. It just, you know, so I know to revisit it, go back to it. And, you know, I, I don't, the word generational gets thrown around with him. Um, and I don't know that I would call him a generational quarterback, but I do think it's fair to call him a generational talent. Like when you just look at what you want in the position, uh, physically, uh, it, it, there's a lot there uh, with the size. And But honestly, he, he did come in later than I think a lot of us thought. Only 213 pounds at his pro day. A little concerning for a guy that's 6'5 and a half. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson's three inches shorter and he weighed more at 214 pounds. So, you know, I, I think ideally you'd like to put on some weight, but it's not not that big of a deal. Um, his mobility, his arm strength, um, uh, all above average, uh, the, the processing ability above average, uh, everything he does is quick. And part of that's by design. The, the Clemson offense is a, is a quick game uh, type of uh, passing offense. And that's something, another one of those things that you maybe worry about a little bit. If we're going to nitpick uh, Trevor Lawrence is just that offense wasn't exactly the most, uh, uh, there, there's going to be a transition, put it that way. Um, you know, cause it, a lot of it was, let's get the ball out quick, uh, get the ball into the hands of our weapons. Uh, you, know, you know, bubble screen, the Mari Rogers, uh, you know, quick slant to, to this guy, uh, you know, w- whatever it was, it's, that's just how the offense ran. Um, but when you put it down on what you look for at the quarterback position, he checks a lot of boxes and uh, emphatically checks those boxes. So, uh, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, uh, I don't know that you – know, like the word consensus doesn't belong in any draft discussion uh, because it's just it's just not true. There's just really no such thing. The words consensus and safe. Get those two words out of here. Uh, like it just yeah. really has no – no point in being part of any draft process, but I would think that Lawrence is probably the closest thing to a consensus top quarterback. Um, but he isn't a consensus. That's there's some that really like Zach Wilson or some of these other guys, but I think he is pretty close to that when you just boil down the skills and not what you, not only what do you think of him now, but I mean, when you think of him in three years, what he could look like. So it's a, it's enough to get you excited. Yeah, for sure. And you were talking about his offense, right? And and the scheme and there's a lot of quick throws and maybe not as demanding as you would like um, right. from from a mental standpoint, from a processing standpoint. How do you separate the skill from the scheme and the supporting cast at this position? Because that's really your job and anybody that's an outsider evaluating this position. It's a little bit easier if you're with the specific team looking for specific traits that fit your scheme. But Right. For you, you've got to kind of keep in mind all 32 teams. How do you kind of separate scheme and supporting cast? Because I know that's a big kind of thing that's brought up with a handful of these guys in the class. Yeah, and really, you look at all these quarterbacks, uh, you know, Mac Jones, he was in the perfect situation at Alabama with an elite offensive line, an elite run game. Uh, I mean, he had a Heisman winner at wide receiver. And then you look at his play caller in Sark, who's now a head coach. I mean, it, everything around him was ideal. How do you reconcile that? Um, it's tough. It's it, because you you can't do anything about it. Uh, Zach Wilson at BYU, you can't do anything about the schedule that they played. 
Uh, you know, he played behind a very strong offensive line, uh, a very good run game, uh, a solid receiving core, not, not great, not terrible. Um, so, you know, it, Justin Fields, uh, you know, I, 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 I've said this multiple times, but I came away from Ohio State's tape more impressed with Ryan Day than I was Justin Fields. And that's not, that's not meant to be a dig at Fields at all. It's more just how impressed I was with Ryan Day and his scheme and the way he uh, you know, was able to uh, manipulate defenses. Um, and, and then, you know, you look at Trey Lance uh, coming from an offense where over his 17 starts, he averaged, I think it's 18.6 pass attempts per game. And the run game averaged 45 carries per game. So, uh, you know, each one of these top five quarterbacks, there's something about where, you know, the offense they played in, where they're coming from, that is enough to put, you know, at least a little bit of doubt in your mind. And it, it's going to cause you to do more research and try to be comfortable with, uh, you know, you have to reconcile it in some way. So understanding what they're asked to do within the context of that offense um, is key. And it's not always easy. You know, the tape is everything, but sometimes the tape leads you to asking more questions and going on a search, uh, going on an investigation to understand, okay, well, why are you doing this? Uh, you know, or, you know, Justin Fields, you're, you're staring, uh, you know, lasers through this guy and you're just not coming off your, that initial read, but then, you know, you, you, you ask more questions and you find out, okay, well, that's, that's what he's, coach to do that's what he's supposed to do on this read he's supposed to go to uh you know this this uh this initial read because it's going to be schemed open for him um you know there, there's so there's so many things with with the offense uh that each one of these uh, quarterbacks uh, respectively that where they played that is going to force you to do more digging more questions uh and that you're not going to get every question answered it's just it's really not possible for those of us on the outside um you know for teams they get the opportunity and maybe not as much this year with just uh, how strange this draft process is. But usually when, you know, go to the combine, the quarterback prospects will, uh, you know, at night, they go to the hotel room, they interview with these teams, they'll have a screen set up and, you know, the offensive coordinator will run through a bunch of plays. Okay. What are you reading here? Uh, what coverage is this? Uh, you know, are you setting the protection here because of, uh, a, B, and C, or you know, what, what is your thought process? And you're able to just get answers that way. And it's also, it's obviously a lot easier with for NFL teams and the resources they have at their disposal. Those of us on the outside, it's, it's much tougher. And that's why I think that it's much easier for those of us on the outside to be wrong about these quarterbacks, uh, because we're on a constant quest to understand context. And that's, that's not always an easy thing. And I'll be the first person to admit that I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I know exactly how these quarterbacks are going to play out. And, you know, just definitively, this guy is absolutely better than the other. Like, it just, I don't think you can do that. You can have an opinion and that's fine, but uh, there, there's a lot that we just don't know about the, the, the quarterbacks, what they're asked to do and, you know, certain things that teams have a, have a leg up than uh, those of us on the outside. Yeah. It, it's hard. Cause you, you want to kind of trust your instinct. And as you're watching the tape, you're like, golly, why is he hanging onto this read? Why isn't he pulling right. the trigger here? And as you get more reps at it, you get a better feel for it. But just for those young scouts out there, I mean, when I started and I was kind of in, in the same world that you were in, my whole focus was like, I'm going to study as much as I can about the mechanics of the position. So from a footwork standpoint, from arm angles, from 
you know, hip action, just in terms of the entire picture, what's it supposed to look like? And then from a coverage standpoint, okay, how do you attack these different coverages just generically? And from a conceptual standpoint, um, you know, what, what do these reads look like from major concept to major concept? Um, I want to, I want to move to the second guy on your list. You got Zach Wilson, number two. Why do you have him there? What do you like about him? I, I really want to hear kind of your take on maybe what's keeping him from being the number one guy and in your mind, what's keeping him number two ahead of some other really good prospects. I think the thing that keeps him number two above uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, uh, Mac Jones for me, and this goes back to an old Bill Walsh saying, talking about the difference between good and great at the quarterback position is the ability to make that great spontaneous decision. Uh, that was something that, you know, Joe Montana obviously could do and just something that uh, coach Walsh will talk about a lot. And obviously quarterback evaluation is so much more in depth and, you know, there's a lot more variables than just that. But if I had to point to one thing that, you know, kind of sum it up for me, that's what I would point to with Zach Wilson. I think he has that spontaneous ability to uh, make these plays and he doesn't have to sacrifice accuracy doing so. Uh, His ball placement's outstanding. Um, you know, very good arm strength, not, not a great arm, but above average, uh, especially on the move. Uh, he's just really good off platform. Um, now, sometimes to a fault where he's going to abandon a perfectly fine pocket just because that's the style of play. That's what he likes to do. Um, and, you know, I, I wish that we could see him against better defenses on film, um, you know, and it's just, but it is what it is. That's what we have. And I think we can still evaluate him based off of, the quality of throws and the accuracy and what decision-making process is he going through? Um, and just all the different things. It, the BYU offense is really diverse. You see, you see, you see some uh, Andy Reid stuff in there. You see some uh, Sean McVay, you, you see all these different little wrinkles. So he was asked to do quite a bit. Um, it, it wasn't just a, uh, you know, and specifically an air raid scheme or, you know, whatever. It, it was a mix of a few different, uh, uh, schemes with what they were doing on offense. So I think that that's certainly going to help him as he goes to the next level. Um, now, I, I, I understand why some would say, you know, let's, you know, why, why can't he be number one and compete with Trevor Lawrence? I just, with Trevor Lawrence, I just think everything's, the upside is just so high and you bet on, okay, check box, check box. You just, everything's there. So I'm going to bet on that more so than Zach Wilson, but I'm very high in Zach Wilson. I, my, my first mock draft back in, November around Thanksgiving, um, I, I put Zach Wilson number two, and it's funny going back to read the comments now because it just wasn't a common thought back then. Now, um, you know, I think it much more so looks like the Jets uh, are going to draft Zach Wilson number two, which I, I agree with. I mean, I, I think he's the, the number two quarterback, and um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I think the Jets did not help Sam Darnold, obviously, uh, but with the new coaching staff with uh, some of the additions they've made, uh, you know, Corey Davis at receiver, Mekhi Becton coming into his second year. Uh, they've got five picks in the first three rounds this year. So, you know, you can bet um, at least one, if not two of those picks will be offensive line as they continue to build around the quarterback. So uh, very excited to watch Zach Wilson's career to see uh, how he develops. Who's your comp for him? Cause when I had a chance to go through and watch these top guys, I mean, he's he's definitely not Mahomes, right? But he tries to play like him, and he's got a, right. a style similar to him. 
And he's not as athletic as Kyler Murray, but as a passer, he kind of plays like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't really think of a great comparison, but who, who was kind of your, your thought there? Well, and this, that's the thing is I think I can pull up clips where, you know, you watch it and you see shades of Aaron Rodgers. I can pull up a clip when you see shades of Mahomes. Uh, same thing with uh, with Kyler Murray. I, I think you're right. He's he's kind of a little bit of a few different quarterbacks. And you see these these flashes of those players, but it's hard to come up with an apples to apples comp for him. Um, he, he's very unique in that respect. So. You know, I, I think that uh, he's almost a mashup of a few different guys. And I realize the guys we're talking about are, you know, two Hall of Famers and a guy that has a chance to be a Pro Bowl quarterback in the NFL. So it's pretty high praise. Uh, but that's why we're talking about him as a projected number two pick. You want to crown him, crown him, right? Uh... Wait, so you, you watch these guys. What uh, I'm interested to see or hear what your one-two uh, how they shook out in terms of uh, I know you don't necessarily do rankings, but who was your favorite quarterback and who was uh, your second favorite? If I'm just talking about favorite to watch, Zach Wilson yeah. was absolutely my favorite to watch. Okay. Um, I understand why it, the difference to me was just from a prototype traits, just the si- the sheer size, the, the, the arm talents a little bit better, like from a strength standpoint, I think yeah. Zach Wilson makes so many more plays from those off-platform situations that he puts himself in a lot of times. And the the one chink that I saw just from Trevor Lawrence was just when he got pressure, I felt like he rushed and panicked himself a lot more than I was anticipating. Um, mm-hmm. He loves to play on schedule and does a really good job of that in that offense. So um, kind of came in with the mindset that those are the top two guys. And I, I understand why Trevor Lawrence is one, but in, for me, I just had a lot of fun watching Zach Wilson. Yeah, he's a fun player. There's there's no way around it. And so that's uh, – I think that's why yeah, he is going to be that number two pick and why the 49ers who hold a number three pick, they're going around to see Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Uh, there's a reason they're zeroing in on those three quarterbacks. Yeah, and, you know, Mac Jones is kind of like the, the media pick right now. Like it, Everybody's starting to mock – him for the 49ers you have Trey Lance as your number three quarterback I had a chance to watch uh the game that he played you know this past year 2020 his championship game against James Madison um like you said there there's not a ton of throws when the ball does come out of his hand though it's explosive as a runner he is extremely dynamic I've heard the Colin Kaepernick comparisons I I see it I think he's a, a little bit better thrower but um, I have the same concerns as you do as far as like downfield touch is just really inconsistent. So mm-hmm. for a guy like him, um, one, why do you put him as your third quarterback? And two, what's the best scenario for him? Uh, you know, obviously kind of moving forward. It's probably to go to number three to San Francisco. Um, and I, I would not be surprised at all if Justin Fields was the pick there, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance. None of those names would surprise me at three. Um, there's a lot of people in the NFL who believe it's Mac Jones, a lot. Um, and so it's not a media-driven creation uh, when you see Mac Jones slotted three uh, to the Niners. I, that's that's where I went in my mock draft. With the information that we're getting now from NFL teams or you know just the buzz around the league, that's, just, that's where it is. And We'll see if that lasts until draft day or not. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the winds will shift and uh, you'll be talking about a different player at that point. But right now, Mac Jones seems to be a favorite. 
Um, but I wouldn't be surprised at any of these guys. And Trey Lance is really interesting because he's, you know, like we kind of set it up. 17 career starts, uh, a very, very meager experience. All 17 of those starts first FCS competition. Um, and I, I think it, he had only once in his career where he uh, and once in those 17 games where he was uh, playing from behind in the fourth quarter. So just not a guy that, you know, was tested all that much because of the offense, because how good the supporting cast was at that level. Um, but for a player with his intelligence, with his size, with his athleticism, a guy that, I mean, he played safety his senior year in high school, Come, growing up in a small town in Minnesota, wasn't highly recruited. Uh, you know, Minnesota said, yeah, we'll, we'll take you as a safety. And of course, you know, he, he wanted to play quarterback. So goes to North Dakota State and, uh, you know, there's just, there's so much to like about him, but he's going to need a little bit of time to uh, adjust to NFL and what, that, what they're going to throw at him. So I think if he went to San Francisco where we think Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be starter in 2021 um, and you can kind of bring along Trey Lance at his own pace. To me, that makes, uh, makes some sense. Uh, or even Atlanta at four where Matt Ryan's going to be the starter uh, for the short term this year, maybe even next year, depending on how he, how things shake out. So he's not going to be pressed into action right away. So three or four, I think, would be really interesting landing spots for Trey Lance. And then Justin Fields, what's the case for him at number three? Uh, you know, I, I think more so than than ever, teams are going to be willing to bet on high traits uh, type of players. You, know, you look at what Josh Allen has done. Uh, you know, was not viewed as an accurate quarterback as a prospect. That that was not the strength of his game when you watched his film at Wyoming. He was big, he was physical, uh, a big-time arm, and a, a great athlete. Justin Fields, not as big. Uh, the arm strength isn't as strong, but a really good athlete. And, you know, he's good enough in those other areas. Very accurate downfield passer as well. So it's not like he's, you know, he, he, he's further along in terms of that, uh, in terms of that area. My issue, and this goes back to what I was talking about, the spontaneity with uh, Zach Wilson, with uh, Justin Fields, it's just a little more methodical. And that, to me, that bothers me a little bit. Now, can he speed things up and be more urgent? I, I think he can. I think he has he has the, the, the body twitch. He, I think he's bright. I think he can do it, but it's a little bit of a, a projection. And we're talking about these quarterbacks. We're nitpicking because all five are likely to go into top 10 picks. It's not like, you know, I'm saying Justin Fields should be a second rounder. No, I, I think that I would happily draft him in the top 10. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I think my I'd feel good about my quarterback situation in the long term. But when you're, uh, you know, kind of figuring out where these five quarterbacks land and you have to really separate them, uh, something little like that could be the difference. And it, that's what it is for me in my rankings. But if Justin Fields went three, would not be shocked at all. I would understand. You know, I, I get it. There's a lot to like about Fields and how he projects to the next level. And so, um, you know, it'd be fun to watch him in that Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah. And when I went in to watch him, like I'm expecting to see like Blaine Gabbert, like staring guys down, no anticipation, weak in the pocket. And that's not what I saw. Um, no. He does hang on his first read a lot. But at the end of the day, when you really like get the full picture and watch the game film of him, like he's getting to two, three, and it's just so smooth. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like kind of methodical. I kept writing down lax urgency when he was yeah. facing like delayed pressures and, and late rushes. Cause he's really like, I don't really care that this pressure's coming. I'm going to throw it with, with it in my face. Um, do you think his issue is a little bit of just like 
uh, stubbornness in the pocket. Like I'm going to stare this barrel down uh, regardless. Cause if he takes off and runs a little bit more um, you're talking about a Trey Lance type of athlete. It's strange because he is, he's a four, four athlete and you rarely see it. I mean, he does, he prides himself almost to a fault on being a passer first and a runner second. And I, I think, you know, you would, for a guy that is that type of athlete, you kind of just assume, oh, he's going to be pretty good off platform, outside of structure. And he's really not. That's just not his game. That's not where he's most comfortable. And so, um, you know, I, I would really like for him to tap into that a little bit more. Uh, I'm not saying that he needs to, you know, have 10 carries a game or, you know, not, but when things break down, he's flush from the pocket. And, you know, instead of throwing the ball away, instead of, uh, you know, just holding on to the last second, like you're talking about waiting for a guy to come open or for a window to present itself, you know, you're take the the 10 yards there and he will from time to time, but not nearly as much as you would expect for a guy that's that athletic and that big and that tough. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot to like about Justin Fields. I, you know, I, it, it, it's, it, it's an, you know, on Twitter and just out there on the internet, it becomes something where oh, if you don't think Justin Fields is the second best quarterback or the third best quarterback, then, you know, you hate him. So it's either, you know, you love him or you hate him. There's no great area at all. So it is what it is, but um, I, I will be interested to see where he lands on draft night. Um, you know, where it's going to be in the top 10. It's just a matter of where, which team is it, you know, three, is it Carolina at eight? Is it Denver at nine? I think there's a lot of different possibilities for him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was the one that I was the most pleasantly surprised with as far as, you know, working through reads, being like really committed as a passer and um, it'll be exciting because he does have a really, really high ceiling. I know you got to bounce in a couple of minutes. Uh, how about let's hit real quick on Mac Jones where you got to leave. Yeah, we, we talked about him at the top just as, you know, everything being perfect around him and how tough that is to evaluate. Um, but I, I think you can still be impressed by the poise and the way he operates. And let's be honest. Okay, if you're going to list the most important qualities in a quarterback, where's the start? Starts with accuracy and then decision making. You could argue that, you know, he is, uh, you know, more impressive than some of these other quarterbacks in those two areas. And so I would understand uh, why Mac Jones would be that number three pick. I would I would, I would get it. So, uh, you know, I, I think that I graded him as kind of in that mid to late first round range. But, you know, quarterbacks get pushed up. So if you have a chance to be a starter, you know, you're going to go in the top 10 to 12 picks. That's just that's how things work. Um, and with Mac Jones, I, I, there's a lot to like about how he uh projects at the next level you just have to understand uh in his evaluation okay is he good enough in those other areas we know he can anticipate we know he can process we know he's accurate but is he good enough mobility good enough arm strength all these other variables so uh and that's where i think the you know the the evaluation will be a little bit different from team to team in terms of how much they value a mac jones um you know some will have a second round grade on him some will see him as more of a a backup that could be a starter. Others will see a full-time starter they think they can win with. And so opinions are really all over on Mac Jones, which really makes it fascinating, uh, especially if he doesn't go three, then where does he land um, at that point? So uh, these quarter, we've never seen quarterbacks go one, two, three, four before ever. Um, and we're going to see quarterbacks go one, two, three. We know that it'll be only the third time in NFL draft history that we've seen that first time since 99, we've never seen quarterbacks go one, two, three, four. And uh, we've never had quarterbacks go, you know, five quarterbacks go in the top 10. So just a really top heavy group of quarterbacks. That's, that's really fascinating. So we got four, five or six in the first round. What's your prediction? 
Um, I'm going to say stick with five. I'd be surprised at six. I, I know, you know, I feel like every year we hear about these late, you know, uh, Bryce Petty or Mason Rudolph or, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, there's always that late quarterback that gets a little bit of steam and I'd, I'd be very surprised. I mean, I, I understand why. And I, I like Davis Mills. I like him quite a bit out of Stanford. I, I think, you know, you worry about 11 career starts, the left knees, a little bit of an issue uh, in terms of durability. But I, I think he's the the one guy outside the top five quarterbacks that I could see being a starter down the road. Um, he's, he has starting ability in the NFL. And so because of that, I think he's going to go somewhere in the top 60 picks. Um, and then I know some like really like Kellen Mond out of A&M. He's a little too inconsistent for me. And then some really like Kyle Trask, um, who I graded as more of a backup. But, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, these quarterbacks. All it takes is one to believe in a guy and, you know, Brandon Whedon can be a first round pick. So, uh, you know, time will tell, uh, but it's just, it's a really interesting group of quarterbacks we have this year. Dane, thanks for jumping on the show, man. Uh, I know you got to get rolling. Uh, Where can our listeners follow and find your work? I appreciate that, Alex. Um, uh, At The Athletic, uh, all my information's on there, um, on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Um, if, If people haven't, Please check out the draft guide. Uh, you know, it's, if you like the NFL draft at all, uh, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. I, I put a lot of, a lot of details in there, um, and it's if you want to know how many starts a guy had as a redshirt freshman, if you want to know his birth date, if you want to know uh, all the verified pro day testing is in there. So it's it's I, I take pride in it being the most detailed guide um, out there that you can find. So and it's free as part of your subscription to the Athletic. So hopefully uh, people go check it out. Awesome. Thanks again, man. Have a good one. All right, my friend. Thank you. And that is a wrap for the first episode of season three, where we will take a deeper dive into the NFL draft and the evaluation process. This is new for me, kind of adding a little back end, a little two minute drill at the end of this podcast. But the NFL draft is two weeks away, like I said. Dane is one of the best in the business, so please make sure you go out and get his draft guide. As we discussed, his quarterback ordering is one, Trevor Lawrence, two, Zach Wilson, three, Trey Lance, four, Justin Fields, and number five, Mac Jones. Focusing mainly on the fact that the first four guys have elite traits, and Mac Jones is a very, very developed and polished passer, but he may not have the ceiling of those other guys. And his next up guy, Davis Mills, is the one that he sees as another developmental starter. I didn't watch Davis Mills. His name's been circling around my building because all of our guys who previously worked at Stanford had a lot of great things to say about him. So he'll be an exciting player to watch. And the only difference for me between me and Dane on on the order of these quarterbacks is, you know, I, I personally would just have Justin Fields ahead of Trey Lance because of his accuracy across the board. So uh, for me, I kind of see Trey Lance as that mid to late first rounder where he fits in a situation where the Lamar Jackson goes to the Baltimore Ravens and they, they allow him to develop and they unleash him as a weapon. I see Trey Lance as the same way. It was fun talking about these guys. It was fun sitting back and actually like re-watching them and evaluating them again. Not to the, to the extent that I normally would, you know, only watching about three or four games a piece of these guys. But thanks for tuning in. And check back next week as we bring in a former NFL general manager to talk all things draft related and what it's like being a GM in the war room. Shoot me any questions you got for the next week's show and uh, have a great one.